This is Jason, your 7th level Bardcast host, and I'm joined by Michael, our other 7th level Bardcast host, and there will be no Jared. And today we wanted to talk about in-game stress relief. Let's get into it. So, Michael, thanks for coming on today. It's uh, good to have you in a conversation, just you and me. Nobody else. <laughs> well, I mean, you you tempted me on with Jared not being here, so that was the only way I was coming on. <laughs> Poor Jared. <laughs> I've had enough with him until next season. No, I I actually need to do some conversations with just me and Jared. I haven't had a chance to talk to him in quite some time, but just me and him, I mean. Yeah, yeah. You, you should probably talk to him. It's your turn to take care of him this week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, okay, so yeah, we're talking about stress relief, um, and I, I think, man, this is kind of a, a big one, and this is something that I've been stewing on for quite some time, like something that I want to talk about that I thought was important, and then we actually had this come up in our gaming sessions, um, and so we'll talk about that later, but, um, I think it's, this is a great topic. So kind of like jumping us off into what we exactly mean, like everybody comes to the table and they have something that they want to get out of the game, something that helps them um, relieve some stress or feel mellowed out or, you know, even just shutting off their brain from the other things that they think about in life and just coming to the game and being in the game and, you know, and I think it's different for everybody, you know, what they get out of the game. And so this is kind of a discussion of of how to assess those things that people um, have as their stress relief and then helping provide those as a GM. So uh, before I get too wordy, I'm going to let Michael just kind of... <laughs> Give his input on on what he thinks. You're uh, you're worried about t- being too wordy. You're worried about being too wordy yeah. when when you're going to pass it over to me, the uh, the wordiest <laughs> bastard on this podcast. <laughs> when I think about this topic, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is back in the very beginning of my gaming hobby career, if you want to call it that. There was this term that was tossed around a lot. And that was escapism. And escapism allowed people to just kind of get away from the real world and do something that they really couldn't do, which is, you know, be uh, a fantasy hero going out to confront, uh, you know, whatever challenges the world threw at, at you. And that was a stress reliever. And as we kind of moved forward, different games have been produced, you know, we moved away from you know, everything having to be about fantasy. Now we're looking at it as not just escapism, but a real kind of moment when we can face our thoughts from the week and kind of relax and uh, allow some of that stress of real life to just kind of fade away and enjoy not only a good game, a good story, but you know, time with people that we enjoy being around and having fun and laughing a lot. That, to me, is kind of the goal I have for every session 
that I play in or every session I run. So that's kind of my beginning thoughts. Cool. So uh, just a um, thought that came to my mind while you were talking is um, (laughs) because I just watched it recently is the uh, IT crowd um, episode where um, Jen becomes the entertainment manager and has to show these businessmen a good time in town and um she doesn't want to take them out to a strip club which is like their normal thing even though i love how nobody actually says that they just said you know jen this isn't your thing <laughs> um and then um they all in the end end up playing uh D and they get their stress relief that way and they had a fun time and like it creates and that's really what it came down to is just the stress relief for them was going out to the strip club and they didn't really know anything else. And so they went and played D and D and it worked as a stress reliever for them in the same way a strip club would. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it just made me laugh just thinking of that because I just watched the episode like two days ago. I love that show. It is just, it's just (laughs) really so good. It's got so many memorable parts. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I will. I will for one second because Jared's not here to stop me. And that is when Moss sets the uh, office on fire and then he sets the fire extinguisher on fire. Oh, oh, yeah. And then he puts the fire extinguisher over by the rest of the fire because he figures that's where it goes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's sorting the fire together with the other fire. Oh, yeah, Moss is ridiculous. <laughs> I've got a gun, I've got a ready gun. <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry, we could go off all day on quotes from that show. So kind of what I think about when um, I think about this topic is, you know, what are the different types of stress relief that someone might get out of the game when they come to the table. So, you know, we, we harp on min maxing a lot. Um, and we harp on, you know, just, um, mechanical games and, you know, coming to the table, like, um, just to play, you know, get the gameplay done and then leave, you know, some people can play in like two hours where they just go at it and then they're done. For them, that is their stress relief. Like they want to crunch numbers and they want to kill things and they want to do it efficiently and they want to feel like they're the best at what they're doing. And that is their stress relief. Or there's people who come to the table and they want to give this giant backstory because they have so much fun just being able to put out their creative um juices onto a page and write you know 17 pages of backstory because that's fun for them that relieves stress for them so you know as much as we talk about certain concepts that we ourselves don't do you're gonna have players that do those things and are looking for those things so as a gm you should be looking for what are the parts of the game that give stress relief to each of my players and how can I provide it for them? Um, Michael, do you have uh, any examples of like other types of like stress relief people look for? Well, I, I mean, I think we've, we've touched on uh, some of this in, in past conversations, but I, I really think there are some people that 
um, project so much of their their own problems in life that sometimes they like to face off with those challenges and and defeat them in a in a situation where um, not only they but their friends can help them and sometimes. Um, it can open them up to some ideas of fixing some of those, you know, real life problems. I'm not saying you're going to find a lot of therapy in, in this game, but that's what it really comes down to is that you're looking inside of yourself to, um, relieve the anxiety that real life can put on you. You know, the stress is fading away. And if you find a way to project onto, you know, whatever uh, challenges or, or obstacles you're overcoming in the game, sometimes that can give you, you know, kind of some inspiration on how to handle it. So projecting your problems onto on the situations can can give some relief. Uh, I, I myself have had very stressful days in that uh, age-old career of retail, and I come home and I'm just frustrated with all of the the silly th things that have happened because people you know just really don't communicate and they don't they don't understand simple um understanding of of problems you come home and you're like all right i'm just i got to do something to get this off my mind and playing a game like this can really get it off your mind really fast and you can uh, you can take care of those people that frustrated you in the game by projecting their face onto something that maybe you're overcoming and it helps a little bit. Well, I think um, you touched on the therapeutic, like um, I think they're finding more and more that it is therapeutic and, you know, they're using it as a form of therapy for people and they're using it in high schools for kids to open up, to have a, uh, an area to open up. And I think dealing with real world problems in a space where it's less likely to hurt you helps you to be able to deal with those situations in real life. And so, you know, there's definitely uh, an importance to this game other than just getting together and playing a game. There's, you know, there are ways that this just playing a, a game has influence on your real life and how you act in real life and, and deal with situations. I mean, and, and one thing that I've actually seen in my own kind of professional uh, life is I've been able to take the tools that I use as a, as running the game as a GM taking those tools of, of managing a table of people and having a discussion, taking that to work and, and running a, a, a presentation of ideas for people at work. And it's not as much fun, but you use the mm -hmm. same kind of skills. Your toolkit is the same. How to keep people engaged, how to make sure that you're getting across your point making sure that nobody falls asleep while you're giving this presentation. So there's, you know, methods of inflecting your voice or using, um, you know, some kind of engagement with them, ask them a question, see what they're doing. And you can use the same tools at the, at the gaming table that you use in your, your career and presentations and meetings. So I, I really feel like that's something that the game is always 
kind of uh, helped me with, but I've become better at it because of really in the last five years, I think I've become better at that presentation style of keeping everybody engaged and uh, getting across my point. Yeah. I've been a manager many times in my life. Um, and, you know, I mean, in retail, I was a manager for 13 years. Um, and I know I learned a ton on both sides. I learned to use my management skills from work to help me run games. And I used what I do at, you know, running games, you know, dealing with conflicts or, you know, being able to talk about something and knowing that it's a safe space. What do I use to create that safe space? Now I can use that to deal with problems at work. Um, but yeah, so bringing that back to stress relief, um, it, each of these aspects of the game is possible to be, um, a type of stress relief for someone. And so I want to talk about, um, how as a person running the game. So we talked about like watching out for those things, but I kind of want to touch in on, on kind of how you look for those things. What are maybe some examples we have of what we look for in our players in order to say, Oh, well I can tell that this player enjoys this aspect of the game in order to help encourage those or put in, you know, when you're writing a campaign, how do I put in those aspects to make sure that this person's having fun, this person's having fun, this person's having fun all at one time. So how would you go about that, Michael? Well, that's, that's really challenging because um, you've got different personalities at the table. You know, one player is really gung ho and wants to engage with the mechanics. You've got another that really wants to tell a story that is focused around their character, but mingles with the others. And then you've got another player who might be, you know, a, a little hesitant to jump in the middle and have the limelight uh, pointed right on them. So when you're preparing your game, if you know these personalities from the beginning, you can start to prepare your game and, and cater to those personalities to kind of maybe bring out their strengths while allowing those strengths to encourage and, and engage with everybody else. So, for example, that person that really likes the mechanics, you might give them some uh, ability in the game to, in, you know, kind of play with those mechanics and get every, everybody else involved in that same scenario. Your um, Urban Shadows game really did that when uh, we were in the final battle with the demons. And you had really played on uh, a, a particular player's need for mechanics and engaged everybody else without having to really worry about the mechanics. So he was on it. The rest of us were enjoying the story. So I think if you know the personalities, that's that's great. That's helpful. But that first session with unknown players, you may, it may take a session or two to learn their personalities and kind of find out what will help bring them into the game and um, be part of it and make connections with the other players as well as their character with the other characters. Does that, that make sense? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I think so 
yeah, so what we're talking zero session. Um, I know with seasoned players, you can ask, hey, what do you enjoy most about the game? What do you enjoy most about the game? If these are people that you really haven't played with before, then you can get an idea of it. With people who are new, yeah, you're going to want to play through a couple of seasons or just or sessions, or you're just going to want to ask them, hey, what do you think is fun while making a character? What interest, what piqued your interest most while you were putting your character together? And you can kind of glean some of the information from them about like, oh, I was having fun putting together my stats. So that might be someone who is more interested in the mathematical part of the game or the you know the mechanics of it whereas somebody who's like oh i had so much fun writing this backstory uh that's might be someone who's looking more for the towards the narrative and then so i was thinking of the first time i set up um the D that we first played and i didn't know anything about you guys so what i did is i had you know some fighting aspects i had story i had um traps i had uh uh, uh, puzzles. I had like any aspect I could think of. I included just a little bit of that just so I could see who was grabbing interest in what and kind of learn as we went forward more and more about who was grabbing at what. Like I learned pretty quickly that you're not a big fan of puzzles. <laughs> so when puzzles come up, I don't put the spotlight on you. I put it on, you know, say Craig who really enjoys puzzles and then you guys might give the back backup to that, but kind of spotlight those people who are interested in that thing when you're bringing in that aspect of it. Like if I have a fight, I'm going to try and spotlight uh, Gary's character um, because I know that's what he's there for and that's what he enjoys. So, yeah, I, I think including a lot of the aspects of the game, it doesn't necessarily take away anyone's fun as long as the one that they're looking for is still in there. Does that make sense? No, that's actually a good approach for a new group. Um, and you did a really good job trying to pull out of a bunch of strangers what it is they like about the game, especially when, you know, some of them hadn't really figured that out. Um, and they found out along the way. So I, I think that's a good way to start with it. I I really think that's kind of the jump-off point. And then if you can, you know, even after that first session, say, hey, um, I, I need a little feedback from everybody. What what was the aspect that you liked about this game? Um, what was something that you found engaging? Pulling that out of the players and after that first session can make the following sessions even better as you prepare and cater to their their need to relieve stress. Right, right. I know um, just as a, like a, out of a whimsy that I had, I included that piece of Craig's backstory where, you know, he ran into something that was important to him um, in that dragon. And like, that was like, for him, like such a huge moment that he still talks about it as we go forward. And um, if I hadn't included that piece, then I would have never learned that that was something that really interests him. Whereas like, um, I don't want to say Gary too much, but like he writes pretty good, like ideas, concepts or his backstory. Um, but some of them are pretty cut and dry. And, some of them, like, he doesn't really look for that aspect being reintroduced. It's just something that he wrote 
as his past. So I might not worry too much about including some of his past or his background in my story. Whereas with Craig, I need to have that in there because it's so integral to his fun of the game. And for you, I know um, I should include things that help you build your character as you go forward because you like to create the, and you're going to find ways to do it even if I didn't. But if I give you stuff that's going to help you, you know, um, further who your character is, then it helps you move forward even faster. Yeah. Cause I like to engage with the setting by, and, and the narrative by having something that I take away from each session to show that there's been some growth, um, whether it's a, a physical um, item or it's a, it's some kind of learned lesson. Maybe even the character has learned how to go from, you know, being a, a simpleton to understanding strategy in a battle or uh, making a plan for how to deal with a, a, a difficult um, NPC. Those are little points that I think are beats in the character's life. And I like to, that's that's one thing that I like to engage with is is growth of character. Yeah, and then so we know those are like in-game stuff. Um but then um there's also sort of um at the table material that works as well. I mean, we know that if we go on a 30-minute rant about movies that or shows that has nothing to do with the game itself, Jared's not having fun at that point, but, you know, you and I are having the time of our lives. So, you know, as a GM, you you can encourage that to happen, but maybe in like five, ten minute intervals, rather than being like, oh, let's just spend an hour talking about <laughs> stuff and then we'll come back to the game. Because then, you know, Jared's lost interest. And so, yeah, so there are aspects at the table, too, that you want to monitor just to keep, you know, everybody having fun um, at the you know, in, um, you know, out of game stuff as, as much as in game stuff. Yeah. And, and you want to be polite to the people at the table, you know, you have your social contract with them that, that you're not going to be there to hog all the, the spotlight and that you want them to have that stress relief from the game as well. So, um, just be very aware as a player and as a game master that, you know, what, if everybody's getting involved, they're all getting kind of what they want out of it, and they'll come back to the game. If if a player ever feels like they're not getting that what they need out of it to to relieve stress, they'll they'll slowly fade away and and not return to your table. So you do have to be careful with that. Yeah, yeah, well, that's why you know that social contract is so important. So I have a question. I have a question for you. Um, what is it that you think is a good way to for you um, to relieve the stress of the week? Because I, I could probably guess, but I don't know for sure because there are sometimes that puzzles I haven't figured out yet. And finding out exactly what helps you relieve stress is, is something I haven't figured out yet. Um, so because of my ADD, it, it changes sometimes. 
Um, um, you know, there are certain aspects that I might get bored with and then try and shift over to something else. And if I'm doing something too much, um, it might become boring to me and then I have to shift back. So it's, it's always a learning experience for me. This actually leads me into, I was just going to about to give an example of our recent, um, you know, problem that I came into where, you know, we were playing in, um, five aces and I was in control of the team sheet and my character became a leader and he became very interested in how things are running. And it's not to say that I wasn't having fun at the moment, but when I walked away from the table, I wasn't feeling relieved from stress like I might normally if I came to this table to be chaotic, which I think mostly is my number one thing. For the most part, it's my number one thing. If I come to the table, I need chaos because I don't create a whole lot of chaos in my life. You know, my job is very cut and dry um, and it's very, you know, organized and, you know, things have to be a specific way in order for it to run properly. And so I have to worry about, you know, schematics on my shelves and I have to worry about, you know, very organized things. So when I come to the table, I don't really like organization. I don't, you know, you know, I always end up taking a opposition to military because of the organization behind that. And, you know, um, so like in this newest character that I made for the d and I went chaotic because, you know, I wanted to take on this anti-establishment, anti, you know, bureaucracy and, and lawyers and, um, and I wanted to be something chaotic again. But I think a lot of the times that's how it ends up for me. I mean, you look at like Dobor. Uh, actually, Dobor was Dobor was kind of in the middle. His whole philosophy was balance. Like, but yeah. So, but for me, a lot of times it just ends up being chaotic or something that I can have fun with, like Lyric, um, where he just he was the epitome of just chaos and not caring and. I don't know. I'd have to disagree. I think he was very kind of neutral or even sometimes ordered because he, he always did things based off of a plan. He always had a plan for something. <laughs> now, it was a poor plan, but that, that doesn't matter. It was a plan, and we stuck to it. <laughs> He's a big idea man, okay? He doesn't worry about the uh, the details yeah. of it. It's just, you know... Uh, I actually found my notebook the other day of lyrics, of some drawings with lyrics plans where it's like, you know, <laughs> you, you guys go in the building, I go after the two guards and then we burn down the, the building, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was, and then I read written really big burn last <laughs> because burn last. Yes. <laughs> we had to make sure to tell Lyric he had to do that as the last thing. Um, but yeah, I think for me, that's what it is. And so. Um, when I was at the table and I was playing very organized, it reminded me of the kind of the stuff I do at work and as well for the podcast, like with the podcast, I try and keep things very organized because if things get too chaotic, then, you know, we don't have 
a structure to how our episodes get released or, you know, what's coming out or what we're talking about or, you know, who's going to be a guest when. And, you know, if you let those things get out of hand, then you end up where you're like, oh, crap, uh, we don't know what we're doing next or, you know, we haven't even thought of this or. Um, so when I come to the table, I need to let those things go. And I'm very much looking to just clear my head and, you know, um, while I do enjoy making a, uh, a narrative and, and doing things very narratively, sometimes I just want to be a murder hobo. You know, um, we did that with kids game. I just came to the game to just kill things. Yeah. I made up a character. That's all his purpose was is. He was a halfling that killed everything that he came across. Yeah, he killed things better than my fighter did. <laughs> he became the the bowling ball of death most of the time. And again, that's something that you may not... I didn't know originally that I was coming to table to be a murder hobo in that game. But as it progressed, I learned it. So I, as a player, had no idea what I was coming to the table as stress relief but as we played through a couple sessions i was like oh i just want to kill in this game um you know we gave we gave becky's character the name of murder face <laughs> um, <laughs> i guess me yes. specifically yeah but, put on your um, murder face that's yeah, yeah the assassin that was murder i don't even remember her name to be honest i just call her murder face yeah uh, yeah <laughs> mfaf <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know like i i'm sorry that i've I no no uh, you come across you, with... you and that's probably why i've never figured out nailed it down is because it's all over um the place i knew that chaos was something that you like to introduce to every game been there experienced that but to nail down what relieves your stress as that chaos that you're bringing is to let yourself go. I mean, you're <clears throat> you're holding your your thoughts and controlling things all week long, and then you come to the table. You got to let it go. You got to just yeah. be free, and and that's very relieving for uh, somebody. And if that's the way you do it, then you know I I will remember that for my next uh, my next game. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, you know, sometimes I forget it. Like I said, I, I was having fun doing that stuff because I was like, you know, I'm good at those aspects because they're so important to me in my life. But then when I it wasn't until I left the table that I was like, oh, man, I don't feel as relieved as I normally would. And so eh, uh, and just to throw this out here. What I did about that is I went to Michael and I was like, hey, here's the problem I'm having. I don't know exactly what's causing it. And it wasn't until me and Michael talked player to GM that he was like, hey, did you realize that you're in control of the team sheet and you're tracking all that stuff? And I was like, oh, man, I never thought about that. And then it became, oh, shit. Well, maybe I should just let that go. And then it might become a lot more fun for me as we go forward. So... Um, or even switching the character around or whatever. Like um, me and uh, Michael in that player GM conversation were able to work out a lot of the bugs. And so, you know, keep that in mind that, you know, your players 
let them know that it's okay to come to you. And as a player, it's okay to go to your GM and kind of work through those scenarios. Yeah. And, and that, that storyline, <clears throat> because of the way you guys were kind of going about your way, which really kind of, I, I laugh now because you guys were a, a team based on creating chaos, but you were, almost really doing the opposite of that because you hadn't stirred up enough chaos. Incredibly organized. Your, your, <laughs> your actions were organizing people. Now, they may have been organizing them to overthrow governments or or something like that, but you weren't really just creating chaos. You were uh, creating opposition to the power. So um, <laughs> when when it came time for that story to end, I knew that it was going to end in chaos. And it did. Blew up a couple of districts in the city. <laughs> yeah, and that's uh that was I mean, we had the one session where we just like we're like, all right, we're gonna go out and we have a plan and this is what we're gonna do and then we just gun those guys down in the street. And <laughs> Yeah, it was really funny how that happened. Uh <laughs> and and that and that plays to uh one of the things that helps you know, what you were talking about, relieving stress by just doing something at random, not having a real plan behind it. It's just we're rea reacting to something, and that can help uh, with stress a lot. All right. Well, uh, is there anything else example-wise or anything you want to throw into this before we wrap this up? Uh, no. Um, one of these days we'll have to ask Jared that same question as to what relieves stress for him because – I'm not. I still haven't figured out what he likes to play because he's all over the map. Uh, uh, oh, what is it? I want to say conflict, but that's not exactly the word I'm looking <laughs> Contrarianism? for. Contrarianism. Um, <laughs> contrarianism. Yeah, the, like creating that sort of. Um, it doesn't have to be a fight, but just being able to create some drama, I think, is is really yeah. cathartic for him. So, um. But yeah, we would have to ask him. Like he might have a lot more insights into it than uh, we do. So well, there you go, Jared. If you ever listen to this episode, all right, everyone. Uh, thank you so much. I really hope that you guys got as much out of this as we have recently. I think this is a super important topic to me, and um, you know, it's something that came up recently, and uh, so we were able to like think about this in in a real world aspect. So. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, this has been Jason. This has been Michael. Jared says bye-bye. Have a great night. This has been a production of 7th Level Bardcast, copyright 2021. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to 7th Level Bardcast. You can find links to previous shows, resources, and our social media at 7thlevelbardcast.com. Also, connect with us through our Discord link on the website. We invite our audience to offer feedback, suggest a topic, or for a quick conversation. To support the show, like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcatcher. Music provided by Adarin.